you know, we have our album launch tomorrow, you know, and we, as being Mwenzo and the Shakes, we, we, we like to identify in the theatrical kind of presentation that you see LaBelle or Earth, Wind and Fire or Parliament Funkadelic in a sense of, uh, costumes. We've started to really define it in a sense of colors and themes. Sometimes we do a lot of African colors connected to. Well, let me back up a second. Oh. Earth, Wind and Fire aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And the parliament aesthetic are, are different from the standpoint of uh, uniformity. Well, in one way, not. Parliament, they both deal with, uh, Earth and Fire has a, has a concept they deal with very Egyptian for Maurice Wright and very spiritual. Uh, but the one thing that connects, I, I would say, uh, a parliament funkadelic is the ability of the, uh, they both connect with the circus presentation, which is that yeah. there's a lot of things happening at the well, same time. I tend to think of Earth, Wind & Fire being a little more um, they, matching. More, yes. Versus... Uh, P-Funk is a lot more looser. Exactly. George like Everybody's Clinton, got yeah, their own yeah, their own yeah, character. Yeah. And, and which one do you more closely identify with? All of it. All of it. <laughs> I, I'm holistic. I, sure. I, 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 I try to... I believe that it is important for us to to be able to understand... The ability to, to to love all things in a way and to internalize in a, in a way that your 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 life can 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 be guided by it and that you know especially in, in the in the group Wednesday on the shakes in the way we play we we play in a very we're trying to deal with a way of playing in front of people that deals with the whole kind of landscape of Afro-American music. So if you were to go and see a band that is reflecting Earth, Wind & Fire, but also P-Funk, but also early James Brown, but also the jazz of Duke Ellington, and also the African understanding of fellow Kudian, we're trying to put that all in a way that in a, in a show presentation that deals with a circus aspect, but also with vaudeville and, and theater and drama, but also a lot of our original music, um, very akin to Earth, Wind and Fire is message music. It's conscious music. It's music, uh, which like all art forms has a meaning. It's not just songs about shaking your ass and boogieing, which of course EW, which are, which are included, which is all yeah. part of spiritual <laughs> messages too. But um, what is it? A uh, free, free your ass and your mind will follow. Exactly. We believe in a, uh, in a in a message, a spiritual message, you know, and also all of that good stuff, all of that music, all those great bands that understood how to present the music in a way that dealt with all these aspects of art we're talking about. As I said, we just really recently, me and our tap dancer in our group, she's more than our tap dancer, Michaela Lerman, we have been. Zoomed in the last year by uh 1970s LaBelle and 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 the writing of Nona Hendrix and and again you know a reason why they split was because Nona Hendrix was writing all these political kind yeah. of songs and Patty didn't want to go that way yeah. she you know she wanted to do the shaking and doing this doing the thing to see what they represented they were like a funk rock group with a poli- political message they ain't just you know a voulez-vous que of require you know they really their songs and then if you look at there's this incredible soundstage video from the 70s they used to do it on a called ABC in concert to take acts you see them and they're Nona Hendrix is actually they're acting and yeah. there's you look Patti LaBelle is doing some things around and it's incredible not just sort of like aesthetic standpoint but even more like abstractly than that when I think of James Brown, I think of a band that's just that's really tight, that everybody's kind of on the same page. When I think a lot of jazz, obviously it depends on you know the group and the era, but oftentimes it's everyone's kind of on their own trip. Mm. Which one of these do you think do you more musically associate with? Well, I'm going to back up a little bit sure. and say for me more when we when, when we when we are speaking about the spirit of jazz. 
we we are trying to more make the world understand that it that it is more about you as a group playing mm-hmm. together, which is what connects really, which is really the jazz became a soloistic yep. art form yep. because yep. some of the greatest intellectual musical minds of the 20th century sure. decided to play it. But it's real natural gift was that it was a collective group music. When you talk about Louis Armstrong's early music, when you're talking about Sidney Bechet's music, New Orleans music, Duke Anderson's music, the early fabric of the music, that's all group music. Yeah. Now, as you start getting these incredible people. Yeah. Now, the funny thing was, we had all that, that level of mastery when you talk about a Louis Armstrong, who is a genius, and you talk about someone in that time, like a Billie Holiday, who sure. is a genius. You know, it is more that something individual happens to the music as you get now you get into the influx of a genius like a charlie parker or dizzy gillespie who because bebop we're going now nah, i don't know how deep we're getting but because because the style advanced in yep. a way it became more of a soloistic offer yep. which gives us a tendency of the day that everyone's on own trip the real gift the real meat and potatoes of what jazz really informs us about is like wow everyone's playing together and they and it's connected and it's happening. Yes, it's true. There's a soloist. Yes, we had some of the greatest soloistic mathematicians historically ever. When you talk about the range of people from John Coltrane and Sonny Rollins, but I don't want to just do the instrumentalists. Like, you know, we're not when we're talking about genius. We're talking also about the way that the, the, the how Ray Charles mm-hmm. is a genius. Mm-hmm. How Chuck Berry is a genius. How he deals with lyrics. How he understands uh, shuffle music and, and and how his and how his guitar has an understanding to the blues and that all of that. And how Willie Dixon writes songs. You know, they're all geniuses and all. And that's why. And going back to what we were saying a few yep. minutes ago was that you have to love all of them because if you love all of them, you live in between all the time. You don't stay in one time. You mm. don't just be like, I'm here and I'm... Da, 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 da. If you deal with the whole... If you try to, you can't. It's going to take... A, but if you try and deal... Okay, I'm going to deal with this with this framework. Let's take jazz or Afro-American mm-hmm. music, whatever. And I'm going to deal with... I'm going to try and inform myself about all of it. Spiritually. Historically. Chronologically. When we say historically, we mean... What happened to black people as they developed? How did... How did it inform from jazz to rhythm and blues to this? What was going on with black mm. people in that time? You context. Have to, you, context. And then all the other influences. Jewish people. Mm. How does a Benny Goodman, who's a Jewish yeah. boy from Chicago, and, 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 and a Stan Getz. How does a Frank Sinatra, Italian-American, fall in love with a black woman like Billie Holiday and wants to sing like that? How does that? How is the impact of, of someone so deep that that person is touched in Hoboken? Mm-hmm. From some woman, black woman that, you know, was born in Baltimore that went for a whole nother life. And, you know, and that's the power, not of just jazz, of any art. So how does it get to a young boy in Sierra Leone? Okay, you're deep. Okay. I was wondering how, because I was like, I love this dude. He just wants to talk <laughs> about just the music and not even my music or the album or not. Let's see what this, this is because we do this. The we'll shakes, get there. We do this it's every about, day. It's about the journey. It's the journey. Well, that boy from Sierra Leone. Called Michael. Well, you know, as as my mom named me Michelle. French. Yes, which you know, French comes into it because Sierra Leone, yep. of course, who they colonized by, et cetera, et cetera. But my mom also was a frustrated artist, and she wanted to be hip, so she wanted to stand out. She said, "You're gonna call me Michelle." I changed it to Michael when I got to England when mm-hmm. I was ten, eleven years old because I was getting bullied at school, and 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 I said, "I don't want to take this anymore." So, ten, eleven years old, moved to London because my yep. mom married, gets married to an Englishman. 
life is transformed. You know, Roger was was uh, was a uh, he was the the VP of Sharp Electronics. You remember Japanese back in mm-hmm. the day? Sure. He died after about a year and a half mm-hmm. in a car crash, and that experience and seeing what my mom went through and her getting finding a man, you know, and then him dying and then seeing your mom go through that and then that's what propelled the the boy to. To, to try and find something that would lift yeah. him. Music was around before Music that. Music was around, but it wasn't around in Sierra Leone and Nigeria yeah. and Africa. It was, and it, it was, Eng- that's the blessing of what England gave. That's why the journey of going from Africa to England to New, uh, New York is amazing because England was really, that's where I learned about all the Afro-American music. Yeah. Through my godfather. Yeah. Who was this amazing man who was my mom's first landlord when she first came to England in the late 1970s. She, he, he we reunited when we came back to London and he was this freak of nature, white man, mathematician, mm. 50 years old, that loved Bessie Smith, Louis Armstrong, Sidney mm. Bechet, Ray Charles. And he had this incredible, I lived with him. My mother was uh, deported a few years after that. And I had to live in foster care. And, and I lived with my godfather, you know, this incredible man, Thomas J. Blowfield, who uh, was the man that enriched my life in the sense of, I'm going to support you. And buy you your first trombone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you to see Ray Charles. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait with you backstage for you to get Betty Carter's autograph. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm that person. Was it important to him specifically that you have a connection to directly to African music, not just you know African American? He wasn't American coming or... from there. He wasn't coming from that place. He's coming from a place of like he never had anyone to share it with. Yeah, because he was a white guy. Mm-hmm. From Kings Lynn, Norfolk. Kings Lynn, Norfolk is like a person who's born in like uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying anything wrong with people who are in Pennsylvania. I'm giving you more like the location. Mm-hmm. People sure. live in Reading, Pennsylvania. Sure. They're incredible people. It's not London. It's not. Aha, it's not <laughs> New York. Yeah. It's like a different shade. So what I'm saying is that he must have been lonely all those years yeah. of being this white guy that loved this black culture. And was a loner. He loved black people. He, 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 he always had black mm. friends. And then I think I come along and, and you know, and it's like, now he has someone he could go see Ray yeah. Charles with. Now he has someone he could go see Gladys Knight with. Now he has someone he can listen to the Robert Johnson records with. Not only that, but he's got a sort of clean slate. He's got a young yeah. kid who he could teach about that. Yeah. When you're that kind of person, when you're that kind of person who amasses all of that knowledge and that record collection, you kind of want to be a teacher. Yeah, you're right. He was a teacher. He was yeah. a math, te- math teacher, but sure. he was a spiritual teacher. Too. Yeah. Thomas J. Blover. It's beautiful that you and it's always I. I always he passed away a, a few years, uh, a few years ago, and it's just beautiful when I'm able to speak his name because yeah. I know you know you know the depth of when. I just want to say that's a good name too. Tom, well, okay, Thomas J. Blowfield. Now in the 007 film, yeah. early there's a character called Blowfield. Ian Fleming went to school with my godfather's uncle. And that's how he got the name to yeah. put it in the James Bond film. So you were 12 at the time? 12, yeah. There's a short time period between 12 and, what, 15? 12, 15. 12, 15. 12, 15. Them, them years from like 10 to 15 is where it, it just... Phew. You did a lot of living. Yeah. You know, like just the personal stuff of, yeah. of you know, losing your mother, you know, yeah. deported and foster care. But also all of this meeting James Brown. 12, you're yeah. learning about this stuff. 15, yeah. you're on stage with James Brown? Yeah. I was, I mean, I met James Brown first when I was 11. It took to about 15 to get, to persuade him to get me on stage. I had okay. to, I had to hustle. Like I had to learn, you know, the art of like 
staying persistent, like yeah. being a young 12, 13, 14, 14 year old kid and like, I'm going to get this man to know me. There's no person in the world who respected Hustle more than James Brown. He comes from the, the deepest yeah. of lowest human total pole. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, one of the, one of the, one of the greatest examples of, of, of the American experiment, black American experiment yep. of, of self-made man. Yeah. But you know, all those people like were like that. All those great people that created like an enterprise, like a Duke Ellington was an enterprise. The Count Basie would end up. These people that they fed people, they were some of the greatest self-made men. Enterprise, but also just having undeniable talent. James Brown, James Brown strikes me as somebody who, if he wouldn't have made it music, he would have made it. He would have been else. the greatest something. But all those people like that. Yeah. They just have a gift. Yeah, James Brown could have been incredible. This or that, yeah. It's just what he put his mind to. He was amazing to get to know at, like, being 11 because he's not normal. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's, 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 a, you know, he's one of those, like, you'll never see them again people. Like, the Ray Charleses and the BB Kings. Like, these people will only come around a million years again. You know, to be around not only your hero, your childhood hero, but also to see all of the scrooks and scrapes of like the stuff he still struggles with, the maybe the 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 way he struggles with maybe like addiction stuff, and you know, and to to witness the reality of a hero is the greatest gift as a young person. It's like seeing your parents for real when you get that like whoop. All right, they don't know everything. It sounds like a blessing and a curse, right? It's a blessing and a curse because you—it's a wake-up call, yeah. but it molds you for your adult. But I think there's something almost like existentially depressing, though, in the idea of somebody—somebody somebody who could be at the absolute peak top of their game, but maybe never be happy yeah, or never be satisfied he's one of those. or always struggle. He's one of those because well, he 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 never. With all the love he gave out, he never really was able to still feel feel that deep scented whole of, of 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 loneliness i think it's because he never he, his mom abandoned him and i think that's the deepest yeah. curse you can carry because you just you never you never you never gonna trust nobody and you think the world it's not enough for you you know he was just always looking for love he just wanted to be loved james brown you see that in john lennon a lot john lennon's like that his mom died too when his mom his mom part, his, his mom, mom gave him up yeah he met his, his mom, mom later yeah, in life. His mom, that's right you see? Kept writing songs till the end yeah, about her. Yeah. Never, never mom, quite cracked You don't know one. which one's worse. Your mom giving you yeah. up, like, for adoption or something, or your mom leaving. He found out that his, uh, his mother was his aunt. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You being 15 at, at, at the time and, you know, encountering James Brown later in life at the point he was at in his career, how much can you really get to know the guy? A lot because you're a kid. So if you're smart. It's like being a fly on the wall? Yeah. You know, when I was that age... I was just inquis—I was more inquisitive because you know I was an only child, so I just wanted to just—I just—I just—and I was lonely. And if if you connect the spirit of loneliness with a kind of like switch, then that it make you want to find knowledge in a certain way because you 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 don't want you want to be with people and you want to understand how am I going to not be lonely? Well, you better understand about knowledge and knowledge gives you ability to communicate people and find people. I got to see, you know, I got to really, I mean, it's amazing when you know someone like that when you're young, because actually as you get older, you even more every time more understanding, even they're not physically here. You're yeah. like, okay, that's what he was. But I would say that. You start living some of those things. Not living, 
understand it. Sure. You get to that you point in your it. life. You cross that bridge. You get it. You get why yeah. a person gets to that. You get how someone that great can struggle with internally with their own spiritual stuff. You get like how someone can like be a person that changes the world. Like James Brown changed the world, you know, many times through a number of years and still get to the places he got to when it was bad, you know, like, how do you, but you understand as you grow and you deal with life and you, and you do with your own squawks and your own things that you start to be like, everybody's human. What did he impart directly on you? What did he, what did he tell you that you're still kind of carrying around? Strength. How do you mean? You know, he has that deep spiritual strength yeah. where it's like, you know, there's two things. It's that strength vibe. And that might be, you know, we're, I'm Tor, I'm a bull. He's, you know, James Brown's a Taurus too, mm. and we, and that's the spiritual gift of of the Taurine. That strength is one of the ones we can actually really get down. And also understanding that you're here for the people, you know. And he he was. I, I saw him with with arthritis. I saw him when his yeah. knees were bleeding. I yeah. saw him one time. When, when they had to put a catheter up his thing, you know, because he was so bloated, and he still went on stage after the and was like. And the doctors are like, no, Mr. Brown, you can't. He's like, no, I got to do it for the people. That thing with the it's kind of throwing the cape on him, that was that was real. That's some real spiritual stuff. I yeah. mean, he stole that from a, from an sure. incredible uh, boxer back in the day called Gorgeous George. But yeah. he lived that expression. The man not giving up, falling down, getting back up. But that also is a lot of James Brown's traje- trajectory in a certain way because he had some falls. But, you know, like Taurians, mm-hmm. we can have some falls, but we can get up. I actually watched a video of, of you at 15. Yeah. It's almost like a – I don't think dance-off is the right word because, like you said, he was at a point in his life where I don't think he could go quite well, toe-to-toe with a 15-year-old. Um, he did kick my ass yep. a few times after okay. that. Like, it's a sh- I wish – one day someone's going to come out of the woodwork yeah. and say they recorded some other stuff because there was better nights than that one that is yeah. the only one out of Sure. Because there were nights when he, I mean, I made him do the splits one time in, at, in, at, at Brixton Academy. I did the splits and yeah. he was like, you're not going to outdo me. <laughs> and did the splits. For you personally, what kind of itch did that scratch? That interaction of you being on, on stage like that, the audience going crazy. I mean, that's something you must have been chasing ever since. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the people. You know, and, you know, and, and then all that kind of, that university, that education that I was able to get of like really having a first view seat of like understanding the skill set of like, mm. you know, working at Ronnie Scott's and yeah. Jazz at Lincoln Center, you know, in the sense of curating where you have to like curate music and curate music is not just like putting together some songs. It's yeah. like understanding time and. Of, 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 of where to put things and what part, what style of jazz is good at this time and what parts of the music is good at this time and what, you know, what people, all of that, you know, and then that give you a, a deeper understanding of like how to portray the music in a way that affects people. You know, VJ Iyer, uh, had him on the show a while ago and I asked him this question because this is, this is something I think a lot about in the context of jazz. For me, jazz and country are the two kinds of music that I only tend to listen to older stuff with. Mm. And it feels almost ironic to do that with jazz, right? Right? Because it's, it's always supposed to be such a it's kind of like vital modern art form. You know, I'm going to have a different opinion to that. Okay. But I, but I would I love, love to you. hear it. I guess what I want to ask, and especially in the context of being a curator and working at a place like Lincoln Center, which is, you know, it's like, it's a big mm-hmm. institution. How do you, how do you kind of, how do you, how do you reconcile that? How does one act as a jazz historian while also staying vital and, and modern? The things we said earlier, the things mm. of like dealing with all the times, you know, like 
the perspective of you take the music. We use that as an example. All the different periods of jazz music. We don't reject avant-garde. We don't reject Lester Bowie. We don't reject Mary Lou Williams. We don't reject dealing with New Orleans music. We don't reject Danny. We, you, you stay present. Because you deal with all the time. You try to. You've mentioned mostly older. It also depends on, on, on the spiritual conceptual style. Like yeah. you take, you, okay, you said we said we said we said we named those people that were older. Now you take what they did older and you put it in another mm. time. You take John Kirby's concept. Mm. Then you put it maybe in the, in the style of Wayne Shorter's music. Mm. You know, you mix and match. Yeah. You know, that's how you stay vibe. You don't take and play the same way they play. Do that because that's how you learn. That's that's how you mm. learn to play the music is by playing it also the way they played it. And then, you know, but then the, the treat of it is that if you can learn a way to play through all the different time, yeah. all the different styles, all the different concepts where it's free, where it's not like, we're just going to play bebop for the whole night. We're just going to play a hard bop quintet all night. I mean, that's very beautiful. And I want to hear that all the time. And I, that's, and I love <laughs> jazz music, but there also is, there is, there also is other ways of dealing with the, the ancestral spiritual understanding of, of playing the music. You know, that, that, that is also what misguides people to understand is that, you know, that the, the freedom that lies within it is being able to take the music and mix and match, you know, and you don't have to play, you don't have to play exact, exact way Bill Chalice arranged something. You can take his concept though and put, you can take, take that. Like, there's a, there's, I'm going to give someone a shout out now mm. because I love him to mm-hmm. death. There's an incredible, no, I'm going to give a lot of people a shout out <laughs> because I don't want to do that to one. Okay. There's a whole community that we are. The shakes and other people who are who play in this in the way that I'm talking about, and it, it's not a way that everyone plays like. But there is a lot of musicians who I, I would definitely say that I'm connected with that play in this way, in this way that is not pigeonholed, it is not stale, is still dealing with the depth of Bud Powell and Willie the Lion Smith and all these people who say old. But putting it, putting it, I mean, I may shout people out. I'll, I'm going to shout one of our ones, our one, Matisse Picard, our mm. keyboardist, our pianist. He does stride, he does a stride, which is old, and puts it with techno. You ain't heard no, nothing like that. That's that's the real thing. That's yeah. really what playing the music is about. I'm not saying just Matisse doing it, but those are the sort of things that are happening out here. People are taking the music and finding other musical perspectives to put it in so that you're still serving the purpose of appreciating respecting these great people but you're also putting it in different shakes and there's many people doing that i mean it's not that there's many people there's a there's some people doing it when i think of kids coming up today listening to music and the way they're discovering it you lose a little bit of that context when the first thing you have is spotify but what you gain is the mess uh, the, 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 the amount of stuff that is there. well stuff is part of it but more than that complete blurring of barriers between different styles of music look at lil nas oh man look at that, that right? one that's amazing to see a black man Billy you know, Ray Cyrus, yeah. country song, yeah. just recently came Don't forget, out. He just came out. He just exactly. came out, and it's been like I think he just Longest broke, way, uh, yeah. broke all records. Longest running single. Da 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 da. All, all of this, all this stuff was in a Chance the Rapper's new record. He's amazing though. 
He's that's. I'm not going to put chances in my little net. I'm not going to put. No, 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 no. Absolutely, I'm putting chances. Is one of the absolutely one of the great minds of our of well, one of the great minds of of the of the music today. Listening to that record he just put out this week. Of there not being any lines between any musical genres, of, yes. of it just He's being doing it in, the, in another way. Yeah, he may not be included. What what we the difference in like what he's doing? He's doing it from our perspective of dealing with a mix of of, of the musics in a certain way. We're we're dealing with a, definitely a lot more root music, and we say root music, we mean the early trees and branches of Afro American mm. music, uh, 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 rhythm and blues and, and, and New Orleans music and stuff. This is more, and root music, the blues, it's all root music. We play in a kind of frenetic way like that. But chances, Anderson Pat is doing his, he's amazing. That's the thing. There are some people who are doing it. I don't like the, the lightness of Bruno Mars's thing, but I like the areas he goes to. Like, you know, he did that track. I can't tell you how many times I heard that track. I was out with Mikel, our tap dancer. And I thought, every time I thought it was a Teddy Riley track, you know, and <laughs> and, 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 and he, he, he got so close to the New Jack Swing yeah. vibe. Yeah. And to be bringing that back, because yeah. New Jack Swing really, when I was young, was yeah. the closest thing to the to to the value of what a, the James Brown concept was. Teddy Riley got that probably the closest out of all the black producers in the sense of the last 25 years. And when I say the black producers, I mean the baby faces and, yeah. and, 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 and the Jimmy Jams and, 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 and uh, uh, my man L.A. Reid. The new Jack Swing era yeah. was the closest to that funk era. It's funny you mention that because for the first time in I don't know how long, and this was very much the music of like my junior high school experience, I was listening to Tony, Tony, Tony for the first time all the time. That's, that's the era. And I was just like, that's, that's the how? thing. This is, it's just so good. It's just so yeah. good and pure. And that's also when we still at least, new Jack Swing would still be called R&B. When you still had, when we still had black music, because we could even talk about that. There's no black music left. What does that mean? That means that you're not hearing anything that connects to the blues. Um, or even when we say New Jack Swing, New Jack Swing is still connected to the rims of James Brown, Clyde Stubberfield, stuff like that. Yeah. It still was dealing with some value of material that dealt with R&B, funk. Now, you can't find those aspects a lot in like what is happening in the sense of mainstream black music. It okay. more sounds like trap. Black so, music has basically become sure, trap. Sure, sure, sure. So you're, but you're, you're saying what's on the radio, right? What's on the radio? What's you being can't discount. This, obviously, there's no, so much. No, but I, yeah. that's not what we're, we're not talking about the people that yeah. are doing the thing. We're talking about what's, what what's is being out fed here. to people. Yeah. yeah. No, there's still incredible sure. people out here. There's still, who is some, like now, give, give me one or two that you would say, in this time that I represented, now that's interesting because I want to, I want to hear your perspective. Yeah. You got is who would you say in this time is representing black music on a high level that is still dealing with reflections of like what the the the, okay. the, the what was happening too with the kings and queens? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got I got two, and this is this is I'm gonna pull from people who've been on the show. Oh, okay, you know Tank and the Bangers. You, you, I can walk out right now, and you said the exact. That's the number one answer. Okay, they they are doing it. Do you know Sin Kane? Yes, I do. Okay. Great one. Oh, you're bad. But, but they ain't they ain't ready to have Tank and Bangers killing it in mainstream. No, 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 no. They no. want to put little Nas yeah. to, to the to the people. Yeah. They don't want to yeah. get that depth of what what she's doing. Yeah. They want to get people like what the, what is this? This is mm. not this is a this is this is an embarrassment for all of the greatness and 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 the quality of 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 amazing material that these people have created that now it's 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 I'm not gonna get on this one right now, it's too long. But what I will say is that sometimes it's a shame to watch what is now being presented as the black stuff to what 
the greatness of what all those people that we love, the Stevie Wonders and the Marvin Gaze. And thank God people like Stevie Wonder are out here still, like, representing some depth of, like, this is also how people mm-hmm. depth write music. But sometimes that's saddening. You know, it's it's deep, that little... Is it little Naz in the right now? Little Naz, yeah. It's deep because he crossed over. So you got to give it to him on a yeah. level. I like to balance people's... You know, I might say, okay, but I also like to be like, but he also did this. Yeah. My, on the side of, like, giving him love, transformed the world. Like, he crossed over to a whole genre and made people jump up and look at him and, and, he, and he made the whole world talk about him for these number of weeks. He's incredible. Okay. Uh, Flying Lotus. Thundercat. Put them, put them next to Tango the Bangers. When okay. I say that, that they, they, those are the ones doing yeah. it. And they're not only doing they're it. They're crossing over a little bit more though. They're crossing, oh yeah, they're, yeah. they're getting it. But they're also doing it like, they're changing the way to present the music. Mm-hmm. You go see Flying Lotus, you have to put on the tings with the <laughs> eyes and, and you know, it's a whole different aspect yeah. of seeing a show. Yeah. You know, they're changing the game in that way. They're geniuses, of course. Now that's, yes, that, now I, that's, that's what's deep about it. I think on one side, Yes, what is being thrown out there in the mainstream is, is not a great representation of all the, the deep stuff. But you're right. There's some great, there's some groups at this time that are like, hey, excuse me. The debut record, this iteration, as somebody who is lifelong performer, at least since you were 12, counts as lifelong, mm-hmm. very much a live band. Oh, yeah. How do you wrap your brain around getting that on record? How do you translate that? Well... We have developed as a live band, so we just sure. we, we had we had to face the fact that we should just let the first one be live because it's what we have practiced. There is a studio track on there which actually changes the game in a sense of like you hear the rest of the tracks that are live and it's like live that people are going screaming and hollering. But the studio track of No Regrets is 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 definitely pulling on what I know the next one is going to be like in a sense of like when we go into the studio and like start really like evolving the electric, the electronics. Cause really for yeah. me, I mean, there's, there's a few aims. One, I want to, I want us in the next two years to even add more of Africa in it and, and, and more of the world in it and, and through like different percussionists from different mm-hmm. places of the world in, in Indian one, Jembe. I want to have that. That's the live thing. But then after that is, achieved by the grace of the ancestors and the gods i want us to now mix the electric and acoustic in a way yeah. that hasn't been done before where it's like you you have two rhythm sections something you have to think about and this is something flying lotus does really well uh-huh. is the idea of the studio as an instrument yeah it's deep i'm being honest in that we're, we're still learning that skill yeah. set because we didn't come out of that sure. you know we didn't come out of the studio education so we are we are definitely it's one that we we are still having to tighten up in tune but i think we will get there it's another skill set to learn collectively as a group to be able to get into that place and and, and and to be able to project in a certain way it's not easy especially if you're trained in the education of, of being performing artists which is what we are you talked before about the spiritual and the political and i think in some degree you kind of use that a little bit interchangeably in terms of themes when you look at a record like this when you look at what you are making a point of putting down, you know, making a document of how much is it a product of all of the fucked up shit that's happening right now in the world? I mean, it's obviously it's hard to just walk no, through your life no, without being no, influenced by no, it. No, no, Yeah, I'm putting that aside. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that this is our reaction to what we have been through and what is happening. The personal and the political. Yeah. Personal, political, social. It more comes spiritual. I wouldn't say political. It affects 
the po- it's affected by politics in a certain way of um, the politics of the world and how the world moves. Not the politics in the sense of Congress and sure. Donald Trump. The politics of how like human beings yeah. are going on. Definitely like that. Define spiritual for me. What that what that means for you? I know that I know that you did have some. You were raised in the church, right? Or some of your early kind of music did come through the church. Yeah, I have two. I have a few different journeys. You know, but <laughs> you you're, talk, but, your man with but you're talking about see re, see when you when we're talking about the journeys. Church is not spiritual. Okay, so let's, let's it, it let's, can be right. Let, let me let me let me get a little sure. more into it. Church is coming out of a formation of 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 religion, and 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 that's not to say that um all buildings like temples and and mosques are not uh connected to religion. They are. When we say the word spiritual, we're talking about the the unseen, but the most powerful. That is, uh, something that is the internal and spiritual that that you relate to within yourself and, and, mm. and your ancestor the, the relationship you have with your ancestors you the the, the 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 ones that are not living anymore that's that's a relationship which is not physical it's spiritual spiritual being the relationship you have with the gods that surround you your guardian angels that's spiritual so that's not to religious that's not defined to a religious order it's a very personal general a b plus thing that when we say spiritual we mean your own personal your own relate your how do you talk to 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 the gods within you the ones that surround you the ones that guide you how do you talk to 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 your relatives that have passed on but want to help you and want to give you messages that's spiritual so it's agnostic but it is something you can get through the church or through religion Um, you can yeah you can very much can and you cannot you know, that's, that's one way to do it. The first way is within yourself, you know, and you can, and you can get to that through a religious order of sort, and you can get to that with just you dealing with the aspect of yourself. To you. For- I came out of, of yeah. religious orders. I, I was in a very strict, um, religious organization when I was young, when I would have lived with my auntie and uncle who looked after me too, when Tom didn't, couldn't look after me anymore. And they were in a very interesting, organization that was uh, a combination of like african and christian vegetarian bare feet and satans and and you know and that's why i learned how to preach and then you know now i have definitely uh swayed more from a religious uh i have more been very blessed to to not be to to be to find more knowledge i was going to say ignorant but find more knowledge in a sense of understanding okay before Christianity, what were my people dealing with before the missionaries came there? You know, like, I, 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 I believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm all for it. But I want to know what's going on before the missionaries came there and told us that our own spirituality and our own religious practices was witchcraft and juju. So in the last two years, I have slowly been able to lose the curses of I'm going to say colonized religion, English people coming to West Africa in the 1700s and telling them that their own spirituality was, was witchcraft and that they should believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm understanding that and trying to get into that. It sounds like you got something out of that, though, from the standpoint of you said where you learned to preach. But it sounds like that's something that sort of at very least and probably more than this informed your ability to be an entertainer on stage. You know, as when you when you when you learn how to preach 
you not you learn a few concepts. You learn how to how to understand text because you have to use the book, the Bible, and that, and that could be any book. You learn the concept of reading text and being able to create meanings through the text and that's a very important skill set that will last you your whole life that's like learning how to read speeches and learn how to yeah. then you have to learn how to project it like you're not reading the text so you learn all these different the gifts you learn from just the skill set of yes preaching but being anyone that is learning how preaching is incredible because you learn all these different concepts you learn how to read a script you learn how to create and imagine a story from it you learn also how to invent your own stuff too with it that's also true <laughs> for better for worse you know you learn how to control an audience you learn how to summon up things within people you learn a lot so those little few times i did it as a child it was you can't get that kind of degree you couldn't buy that you can go to harvard and buy that you can go anywhere in the world buy that you, that's only something that's like this is a thing when you really discovered music that was a more direct conduit into the spiritual very much very much yeah music music has guided me it's guided my whole life it's guided me here you know i had a lot of people that blessed the journey to get me here but it's been music is, was the vehicle i feel like we skipped over a pretty significant portion we got a lot of the early stuff now you're out here Mm-hmm. How did you make it out to New York? I was very blessed, you know, when I went, when this period of 13, 14, 15, not only was I meeting James Brown, but I met <laughs> with Marcellus, you know, and meeting him was, it was incredible because um, he met you as a player. He met me as I was a young budding trombonist. Yeah. And were, were um, you, do you feel like you had a gift for that instrument right away? I was all right. I mean, enough that I was all right. I was all right. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't JJ Johnson, but I was all right. But how do you get on his radar? I mean, he's somebody obviously who that's easy. You could be the worst musician in the world. You just you hang out. You know, he he, his the whole world knew that. Yeah. If you were a young musician and you went to this man's show and hung around backstage, okay, you would get some attention. He wasn't like that's the next Miles Davis over here. Hell to the no. He cussed me out the first time he heard me play in front of people because I went there like a fool trying to play a solo. And he yeah. was like, oh, anyway. That would deter a lot of people, I would think. Um, Yeah, but that's that strength. Yeah. You know, what, I was turned – it took me four years to get James Brown. It's like yeah. I'm not – you know, I can I can, get, I can get anybody. I don't know. I get the feeling that the, the dancing came a little bit more naturally than the trombone playing. Dancing did come. The dancing was yeah. the dancing. Well, well, more like being able to – be be in front of people. I guess what I'm getting at is is like I you know I understand the sort of the sticktuitiveness when you're like I I'm gifted at this thing, uh-huh. but I played trombone in junior high school. I was real bad at it. Oh yeah, and I and I didn't. It's not something I took all the way. You know. Well, no, I mean that instrument took me far because it yeah. allowed me to. Pl- That's how I learned to be a sideman, which was mm. which was, I think now being a leader. If I you know I was yeah. able to play, I was able to play in a lot of different bands as a trombonist. It taught you humbleness. Humbleness, how to lead. How to yeah. be a servant. How it to... sounds like you you didn't need as much lesson in, in how to lead. I mean, that was something that it came to some it degree there, naturally. It was there, but also being able to watch what people did and yeah. what 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 we you know. I was in a lot of bands where the leaders were terrible, so I was able to James Brown being one of them, and just being able to watch the things he yeah. did and like, oh man, it's like I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to make people feel like this. Terrible from the standpoint of how he treated people. More like that. Yeah. yeah. He's an incredible band leader. Of course. But the human stuff is like, God help you. You probably learned a lot of lessons in sort of, you know, being able to be on the side, being able to step out of the way and, and listening to people. I mean, listening is an incredibly important skill set to have as a leader. Of course. And it's more about the selflessness of it. You know, that, you know, there's a lot of things you have to do that 
nobody knows, you know, whether it's all the things, all the things that, you know, you have to take the sacrifice and, you know, and you don't, and also you don't go around. The leadership comes from you not going around and saying, I do this. And I've had to make this sacrifice. You yeah. shut up and you make, and, and you be cool and you, and you don't take that role of, I am doing this and I'll go. That's leadership. Being a good leader also involves being able to surround yourself with people who are better than you at things. That's true. That's you know? true. And, and, you know, I suspect that especially in a, in a band like this, that's a very important um, skill set to have that you need people who are incredibly people, competent at their instruments. You want people that uh, inspire you in a good yeah. – and, and, and not to be scared of – to allow people to like do their thing. Exactly. Be, know, know when to get out of the way. It's an important part of leadership. How did this particular group of people come together? Jazz and Lincoln Center was okay. really where, you know, I met most of these people uh, because, you know, I created a, a scene there and kind of out that scene came this community. What does that mean, creating a scene? I mean... Oh, creating a scene yeah. is, is, is creating a, 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 a moment in time that has length to it that creates some sort of human experiment that could be uh to do with music dance whatever like that you know you yeah. create a an, uh something within a, a location or environment that becomes a hub and becomes a centerpiece for people to for human beings to dwell in and that kind of was what i was very blessed to kind of be able to get to at jazz and lincoln center you know was to kind of create this scene you know and and i did and i did that at ronnie scott's too how did what you created there how was it different than what already existed at, ronnie at, scott's? Lincoln, at lincoln center at the time well there was no scene there was no scene. there was no I scene mean, that's what Winton told me yeah. before i got he said there's no scene we, you, we need someone to create a scene there because it just it just you know that it was it wasn't happening there you know it was in that kind of way but he knew that something could be created there and he knew that um just it just would take us a, a person a certain person who could connect with the people in the sort he's a talent and a name enough that you know having his name attached to something is very beneficial what did he see in you that you were able to do that he couldn't necessarily bring to the table i wouldn't phrase it like that i would say that he loved that i loved the music but a lot of people love the music not in the way that he felt he saw it in me. Because you gotta take he don't see an African kid who's in London at fourteen communicating and engaging with him in a way that, you know, he hadn't seen in he traveled the whole world. He hadn't seen that before. You know, he had never seen I mean that was always a thing that a lot of them said. James Brown said the same thing. He said, Man, this is an African kid who's in London and he knows more about James Brown than a kid in America. And that was more kind of what what kind of made a lot of them always kind of like be shocked. You know, I remember I remember Elvin Jones was like that. He was just that. They were just shocked that this black kid was Afri African name who was living in London knew about them. And for Wynn, it was more that he was he he, he you know, he loves the music. In, in one of the deepest ways that you, 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 you know, look at what he, look, that's how much he loves the music. That place at Columbus Circle, that's a man who raises a lot of money every year to keep the fire and water happening there and the yeah. bills paid. That, that's another type of love. There's a power in embodying something that just doesn't make sense at first glance. I know. <laughs> well, that's the thing about someone like him is that he always could, he's, he, he's a, he's a visionary. Yeah. He can see stuff. When people can't believe it, you know, he, yeah. I mean, those are the greatest people though. You know, he, you know, you have to be, you have to, to be, and that's another aspect of leadership. You have to be able to create without it being built yet. Do you think he gets a bad rap for being too much of a traditionalist? Of course, because they don't understand. They don't, they don't understand what he's saying. And they, they don't understand, they don't understand what he really is about. 
that's been that's the saddest thing about his reputation is that he's he's so misunderstood, not by the people that really know him and yeah. love him, because he has that. He was able to cultivate like a an audience around the world that will stick with him. But he's not loved in the jazz world. The own the own world that he has. The own jazz world that he has given so much to and, and made it probably still standing in the world through playing all those old people's music that yeah. really kept those people in the world. If he wouldn't have played Duke Kennedy's music mm. and Louis Armstrong's music, we wouldn't know those people. He's played those people's na- those people have lost 30 years. We wouldn't know that. He That's selfless. That's the person that he could... He has his own music. He doesn't have to be out there playing these people's music all the time. He does that because he knows it's important for the world to still remember those people. You know, he don't do it that man writes good music himself. He don't need to be out here still 30 years playing Duke Kennedy's music. He does that because he's selfless. He's not, I have to play my own original music on every gig. And What is that? <laughs> That's bullshit. That's rubbish. You have to combine your own music and always still respecting the masters and the ancestors. Yes, play your music. Yes, write your original music. But balance it. Because if you reject the other side of still tipping your hat to the masters, the ancestors, you don't get the blessing. You play their music still within your artistry and your career as you evolve, they will bless you. That's the spiritual makeup of music. You have to always be still one hand in the future and you still connecting with the past. So you're in balance. You're imbalanced or you're unbalanced when you're just dealing with the... You can't just deal with the future all the time. You just can't do that. You have to do... What do we say? What's been the theme today, my beautiful man? Dealing with the time. Time traveling. Fluidly (laughs) in a way that you don't become stale. You know? Anytime you're dealing with any sort of, like, human landscape, you see it holistically. You see it in a way where it's like... It's everything, you know? So, yes, he does get a bad rap. And, you know, and but that also is what comes with the choices he's made in it, you know? Winton, James, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the um, the, the London, the, ma- the, the gentleman in Thomas London. Thomas J. Blowfield. Thomas J. Blowfield. Educators. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of them are educators. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You've been a student under them, certainly. Yeah. I was a student for a lot of, lot, yeah. Those, yeah, students, yeah. Do you feel like you're an educator now? Is that an important part of your job? It has become that. It's something that I've, I have to get better in acknowledging. Mm. And it's good to do these interviews because it forces me to be like, okay, Michael, <laughs> you need to acknowledge yourself. Yeah, I am. I yeah. don't like, you know, I ain't, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to say the word guide. I guide people, but I guide people with education yeah. if they want it. I don't, I, you know, I like to be like, I'm teaching you stuff. You know, I, sure. I'm only sharing you what people shared with me and the love that, you know, that's how these people love me. But that's how they got the education too. I know. Are you still a student? Very much so. I learned from the shakes. The shakes, they always, t- I'm, t- I'm learning from them. I'm learning from Vuyo singing the way he does. I'm learning, I'm learning from Russ. I'm learning from all of them. You know, like they, that's the thing is that, you know, you must, you must always be both student and the other. 
There you go. That was Michael Wenso of Wenso and the Shakes. Their debut album, Emergence, is out now on Rope Dope Records. Thanks so much to Michael for taking the time to do that. Thanks to Lewis for helping set up that conversation. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Like us on Facebook. If you have any feedback, it's rlcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rlcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L related information. And that's about all we got for this week. So stick around because we're going to be back in a few days with another episode of R-I-Y-L. 